0: the heart of flyover country he's not on the far right and he's certainly not on the far left like you he's somewhere in the middle this is dale carter's america well i've been teasing this week's episode on my show on kfkf that we'd have a lot to talk about today and we certainly do. Uh, I'm Dale Carter with Kurt Wheeler. Um, Before we get into all the headlines here, and there's a lot to talk about, uh, something that happened last week that I made a note to discuss here on the podcast, at least briefly. Valparaiso, it's a university in Indiana, and they play sports, and they do play in Kansas City some. I think they play UMKC. Maybe they play William Jewell. I'm not sure if they they do that. But um, uh, for years and years and years, Valparaiso has been the Crusaders. Mm. Did you see this story? I, I can already tell where it's going. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course, bending to pressure because apparently the imagery of the Crusades is being used by hate groups. So Valpo has decided, after all these years, to become the beacons. Uh-huh. They are the beacons of light. <laughs> Valparaiso, the beacons of wokeness. I exactly. <laughs> So I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah. Um, Obviously, since we recorded last, uh, Andrew Cuomo
1: came out and uh, resigned. Yep. Just said, yep, I'm done. Yep, and the way that he phrased it was interesting, too. He's like, you know, in order to uh, facilitate the the you know workings of government or something like that i mean of course he didn't take responsibility for anything what but, a crock
0: of shit too yeah. if, if you watch the the resignation speech first of all i, I mean I, I my gag reflex was going off like yeah. every other second because he's talking about well i come from a different generation right and i'm italian Um, so he basically, you know, offended Italians and older people. I mean, you know, I'm not quite as old as him, but I know that if there's a female that works for me or is in my security detail, um, it's not appropriate to go up to her and grab her by the ass and stick my hand in her blouse. Right. I kind of know that,
1: right? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it like I said, he didn't take accountability or responsibility for anything and, uh, he just kind of. (laughs) kick the can down yeah. the road, but the, uh, I would go back. Uh, if you're listening to this, go back on the Facebook page and watch the the video that I posted by Kyle Donegan I think I sent it to yes, you. Yes, you did send Cuomo it. To me. It's very Going funny. to jail. Yeah.
2: I have been accused of touching women's privates. Not true. I'm Italian. We talk with our hands
0: and all that my hands was saying was what time is it? And sometimes when you hear your family, and, you know, it creates a problem for the Democrats down the road, too, because he was their guy. He yeah. was their go-to. Yeah. I mean, at first their thought was, you know, Kamala Harris is in the bullpen for when we finally invoke the 25th and send Joe Biden, you know, off to – um The ranch or the 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 loony bin whatever wherever he's going to go but now kamala harris is like the most unpopular vice president in the history of america yeah every task they give her she completely fails yeah um and so he was going to be the guy for 2024 now i don't know what they have we're going to see what happens moving forward but it ain't going to be
1: andrew cuomo i don't think he's i don't think he's going to make a comeback from this one yeah (laughs)
0: Now to uh, Afghanistan, and you're not old enough to remember this, Kurt, but I am as a little boy of watching the images of, and I have described it this way, it kind of looks like ants going up an ant hill, trying to get to the top to get on the helicopter to get out of Saigon. I mean, this has all the reminiscence of the fall of Saigon, the fall of Kabul in Afghanistan. Uh, there are some differences to it. And one of these days, America is going to learn its lesson. And the lesson of Vietnam, you would think we would have learned it then. Uh, But unlike back then, the Vietnamese did not attack us. It was about saving the world for democracy, that we were the bright light of democracy in the world. And any place those commie bastards went, you know, we were going to go fight them. We were going to go take them on wherever they were. And, you know, in the late 50s, that happened to be in Southeast Asia in a little country called Vietnam. It was Eisenhower who got us in there with some advisors. Kennedy got us in a little further. LBJ got us in hip deep. And it wasn't until Gerald Ford that the fall of Saigon happened and you saw those those images on TV. The, the, the main difference here, obviously, is the attack on 9-11 20 years ago came out of Afghanistan. That's where the camps were for the Taliban and, and there was rationale. I mean, this country was pissed like it's, it hasn't been since um, Pearl Harbor. You know, we were going to go get those guys. But that's not where we left it. We, we went further. It went into mission creep. It went into, well, we can make a Western-style democracy right here in Afghanistan. Why would we think we could do that? When the Soviets failed miserably when they did it, and we made fun of the Soviets. We said, here's your Vietnam because you're stuck here and you can't get out. So what do we do? We go in there. We're going to create a Western-style democracy. Is it,
1: are you shocked that it failed? No, not at all. I mean, what, what is the saying? Afghanistan is where empires go to die. Yeah. Something like that. Well, um, you know,
0: it's August over in Afghanistan, but it's August in the 12th century in yeah, Afghanistan yeah. with those guys. You know, and and
1: women's rights, gay rights. Yeah. Good luck to you. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's such thing as uh, different cultures, you know, and some cultures being, you know, not up to speed with the modern world. And Afghanistan is certainly a perfect example. I mean, I don't think they that the Taliban would have taken over so quickly in like a week or two weeks or whatever it was um when we pulled out if it wasn't ripe for that in the first place you know what I mean and it's just uh and yeah the there's a picture that has been circling around the internet that is literally the picture from Saigon and then the picture from Kabul and it's both the same helicopter you know it's the same kind of looking building it's eerily similar the the images and uh you know, you bring up the point of going into Afghanistan after 9-11, which I think is a warranted use of force, but it's also a different enemy. I mean, we're not dealing with a... You know, it's not like the Afghanistan government was who attacked us on exactly. 9-11. It was, it was a uh, a very loosely organized terrorist force that isn't really affiliated with Afghanistan officially at all. And, you know, I mean, the perfect example is we, we finally got bin laden he was not in afghanistan he was in pakistan right so i really don't know why we've been there for this long and you know it's it's you're there that long because it's mission creep and
0: once you get in it's like okay how do we get out and now what you've got is you got finger pointing you know biden is blaming trump trump's blaming biden and what i believe is there's plenty of blame to go around it's biden's fault it's trump's fault it's obama's fault it's George W. Bush's fault.
1: Yeah, I certainly think every president, you know, that has been a part of overseeing this mission deserves some of the blame. And and you could say, I mean, the other side of it is we, we have troops stationed all over the world, you know, and in no do. situation do we just completely pull everyone out right. of a of a country, even a country like Italy, you know, that's like totally Germany an and Japan. Yeah. You know, exactly. You that's know.
0: the you know, and and those were the countries that we were fighting in World War II, and we still have troops there now. I'm not you know, that's empires go to die is a perfect way to describe Afghanistan, and you know, they, they always say you prepare to fight the last war. Okay, we have the strongest military in the world. We've got aircraft carriers out the yin yang. We've got ships everywhere. We've got nuclear weapons, thousands of them. We have a great army. We have a great Marine Corps. But the days of you know full-scale combat missions like what you saw in World War II, that's not going to happen anymore. That's over. Those days are over. Yeah, and what we need to do now moving forward, because somebody better be keeping an eye on Afghanistan, because these bastards are back, and th- last time they attacked America, they did it with box cutters and airplanes. Yeah. Okay? They'll find a way. With our porous southern border, mm-hmm. they will find a way. Totally. So, you know, being over there and trying to— Build something that doesn't exist, which is a Western-style democracy in Afghanistan, a complete waste of uh, time, treasure, lives. But what, hopefully, hopefully, somebody at the CIA has the light on, and they're keeping an eye on that situation. There are ways we can do it. There are electronic ways. There are drones. There are satellites. Right. There, there are ways. And, you know, it's it's kind of like when you see a cockroach in your kitchen, you step on it, mm-hmm. Right. And with all of this technology, when they see the cockroach, which is going to be these Taliban MFers, and they're going to go into their little tents or whatever, you go step on them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I wish, I wish it was that simple, but uh, it's really not. How is it and- not? Well, I think the the enemy is is very hard to identify sometimes in in those situations, you know, And, and you better have intel on the ground then.
0: And that's something that they took out of the budget when Democrats have run the show. You better have human intel on the ground,
1: right? But again, it just goes back to the same question. I mean, what are we really accomplishing over there? I mean, if it's if it's the thing, uh, the type of situation where there's a direct threat on America or there's plans being made uh, to attack America or things like that, then I can definitely understand taking action. But just in the sense of like, oh, these are backwards people and you know they're terrorists and all this kind of stuff. I mean, obviously that's true. The whole region is full of those people. So I I, I just don't see the I don't see the uh, effectiveness because it hasn't worked for the past 20 years. And I don't see the point of trying to, you know, like you said, you know, uh, institute democracy or change hearts and minds, or, you know, bring these people into the 21st century cause it's just not going to happen. And, you know, on top of that, there's, there's other factors that are involved too in terms of our pullout, you know, we went in there with all of this modern equipment, all of this military technology that we had, and then we left and we left it all there In some cases, you know, we might have even, uh, who knows, I mean, given them money or given them this and that, but there's pictures online. You can find them. I mean, just stockpiles of weapons, like piles and piles of M-16s, rocket launchers, Humvees that we just left there and the Taliban coming back in and taking over Afghanistan. Now they have all of our weapons. Well, the
0: Soviets did the same thing.
1: Yeah. They left behind all their weaponry when they left. So, um, And that to me just doesn't make any sense. Like, why... Would you not take that stuff with you? Like, I don't know. I, I don't get it. But here's my thing. You guys want to blow each other up? You
0: go for it. You want to blow each other to kingdom come for the rest of eternity? You go for it. But when you pull what you pulled in 2001 on 9-11, um, we can't have that again. And whatever it takes to get that done, I don't think it's boots on the ground. We've shown that's been ineffective but they're all coming out now, but there've got to be ways for us to keep an eye on the situation there so we don't have another 9-11
1: in this country. I mean, yeah, I certainly agree with the the sentiment there. I just I just think that, um, and, and you know, it's tough because every scenario is different. Every country is different and every military engagement that we have is different. And like I said before, you know, we have troops in other countries that are much more allied with the United States. So I think there is at least an argument to have some troops in Afghanistan, you know, um, or some kind of presence there uh, and not pull out completely. But it's just about clearly defining what the mission is and what you're trying to accomplish. You know, I think the mission of keeping five, 10,000 troops in Afghanistan or whatever it may end up being, which we are going to do. Joe Biden has already sent back 5,000 troops in order to help facilitate people fleeing Afghanistan, basically. And the idea that we're not going to have any military presence there anymore is ridiculous. We absolutely are. And this is, you know, I think taught us that Joe Biden's just going to send troops back again.
0: Well, you know, we all agree with the president. You know, he, he made a statement and he said, look, we could have stayed another year. We could have stayed another five years and it wasn't going to change anything. And he's right. Now, where he's wrong is he shouldn't have given them a date by which, you know, we're all going to be out of here. Right. I mean, that was
1: like a heads up. Hey, guys, you know, get in the cave there. Let's get our act together because this is the date they're leaving. Yeah. I mean, he certainly made himself look like a fool by advertising the uh, withdrawal and, you know, by going on TV and saying that, oh, the Taliban's not going to come back. They're not going to take over the country. He literally said there's not going to be people fleeing, you know, from rooftops and helicopters. Well, that's exactly what happened.
2: Some some Vietnamese veterans see echoes of their experience in this withdrawal in Afghanistan. Do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam, with some people feeling with none with whatsoever, her- zero. What you had is you had entire brigades breaking through the gates of our embassy, six, if I'm not mistaken. The Taliban is not the South, the North Vietnamese Army. They're not. They're not remotely comparable in terms of capability there's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comfortable.
1: I mean, what do you expect? You know, uh, these people have been waiting in the shadows. They've been waiting in caves and, you know, foaming at the mouth for the past 20 years. So as soon as you leave, obviously they're going to come back. And, you know, I agree with what you said that there's blame to be, sent all around, you know, it's not just Joe Biden's fault. And I don't want to use this as an opportunity to just shit on Joe Biden because, you know, Trump deserves some of the blame. Obama does. Bush does. Like you said, every president that's been involved in this conflict deserves some of the responsibility for where we are now and where it's at. But I do think it's very telling the, the media reaction to all of this. And that, that's kind of where I come from. A lot of times is looking at the media and looking at how things are spun. And, uh, Just this is one perfect example from NPR uh, just earlier this morning. Biden's choices in Afghanistan were complicated. So is the fallout he faces. Republican hawks are once again circling after years of dormancy under the Trump camp presidency. (laughs) So it's not about, you know, the pullout being terrible. It's not about all these people. You know, being uh, chased out of their homes, it's about Republicans pouncing yet again.
0: Well, you know who doesn't get blamed for this situation is George H.W. Bush. And I'll tell you why. Because they came out of a different generation. Colin Powell was part of his administration. They had been through the Vietnam era. They had a problem with uh, Saddam Hussein putting troops in a place he should not have put them in Kuwait. Right. They told him to get out. He told them to go F themselves. And so George H.W. George Bush got together a coalition of about 90 countries, I think it was, with a mission to go in with overwhelming force, which is something we didn't do in Vietnam, overwhelming force, take care of the issue, and then get the hell out. Right. Okay. That was the best example of post-Vietnam military strategy I've ever seen. And his son basically went the other way completely. Right, it's like we're going to get hip deep in Afghanistan, and oh by the way, we're going to go fight Iraq too, mm-hmm. which I think you know, uh, hindsight is always twenty twenty. There are people out there who who bought into the the intelligence at the time. I was one of them. Okay, uh, we we count on our intelligence apparatus to give us the right information, but it's clear through the prism of twenty twenty hindsight that Iraq was wrong. That was a mistake. And so we we made a mess in Iraq and then we were hip deep in Afghanistan. It's just it's it's foobard to the nth degree. Who gets the credit though is our military because our military did a great job doing what they were ordered to do. This is not on our military. This is on our civilian political leadership of both parties.
1: Oh yeah, totally. I mean, obviously the military does a great job and we revere the military and and support them uh, completely in their in their mission. And I think you made a great point. You know about and I wasn't really uh, either alive or old enough. You know to rub really that in, Kurt. be paying attention to the HW years. But certainly that strategy is what I believe personally should be the strategy. And I'm no expert. You know I haven't been in the military. I, I'm no expert on I foreign policy. But to me, it seems like what we should be doing is. The whole speak softly and carry a big stick method. We, have, we want to have by far the strongest military in the world. When something happens that threatens America or, you know, in certain circumstances, depending on the scenario, threatens one of our allies, mm-hmm. we go in with overwhelming force and destroy the enemy and then we leave. Get out. I mean, we're not there to nation build. Nation building is a fool's
0: errand and it's happened over and over and over again. Yeah. Just stop doing it.
1: Yeah. Okay. And just, uh, just to reiterate last thing, it'd be one thing if we were dealing with a different enemy or a different culture, but th- it's just not this, this area of the world is not compatible with modern Western society. And it, you just have to acknowledge that upfront. And I feel like people don't acknowledge that they, they, uh, Americanize the, these people in their, in their minds, you know, and it's but just how not arrogant how it is. is that that's very arrogant. Yeah. You know, they're them,
0: we're us, and, and we're not going to make them. We're not going to force them to, to be us. Right. Well, you said, you know, you didn't want to shit all over Joe Biden. Are you ready to shit all over Joe Biden? Because mm-hmm. it's time. Um, <laughs> I call this Joey B's bait and switch. Go back to his inaugural address. First of all, he ran as the anti-Trump. Trump's the mean guy. You know me. I'm Uncle Joe, man. Let's, let's just, go get a I, just beer. Just ice
1: cream eating, Uncle. That's Come it, on, man. man.
0: I'm just a moderate. And, and you know, his his um, speech, um, his inaugural speech was like, give me a chance. Give me a chance. I'm a moderate. Everything's going to be fine. I'll do
1: whatever it takes. I'll give you a back, back massage, man. Yeah. So he goes from
0: that to Operation Warp Speed 2.0 because they see it coming. They see the handwriting on the wall, and they are trying to jam this stuff down our throat fast Mm -hmm. before we wake up and realize what has happened here um inflation is running rampant there's a new i put this in here a new survey by the insurance company willis towers watson reveals employers are planning to give out larger pay raises next year the company surveyed a thousand employers and found that bosses plan to give three percent raises in 2022 Inflation is at 5-plus percent right now. Mm -hmm. So that means you've just given them a 2% decrease with your 3% (laughs) raise. That's where we are. Mm -hmm. Uh, Food stamp benefit was just announced today, going up from $120 to $150 a month. Child tax credits are showing up in bank accounts. Um, The goal seems to be creating a generation of dependency. Right now, we have 10-plus million job openings in this country. That's from the June jobs report, and we have 8.6 million people unemployed. Yep. I mean, I'm not a math guy, but if you got 10 million jobs and 8.6 million over here unemployed, I get that there are scenarios and, and exceptions to the rule, but Kurt, man, you know, when... You know, it's going to be boomer talk here. You're, all your friends from the left are going to go. Who's a boomer? Um, <laughs> okay, boomer. When you know, when I was unemployed in 1984, for instance, I got fired from my radio job. I was young. I was married. We didn't have kids yet. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, it was important for me to go find a job. Right? I was applying at gas stations, and eventually, I got back into radio, and, and my career took off from there. But the thought. Of taking unemployment or any kind of government assistance, there was a stigma to it. Mm-hmm. There's
1: not a stigma to it anymore. Right?
0: We've we've normalized it.
1: Well, the 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 policy and and the uh, creep of the federal government into these areas, combined with the changes in the culture that we've been seeing, have slowly but surely changed public perception on these things. Whereas it used to be shameful to uh perpetually live off of government assistance it's now you know viewed as i mean certainly not shameful and in some cases uh noble you know to to uh do that and and it's just uh it's ridiculous and if you look at i mean this is my opposite of boomer take but i mean if you look at the inflation if you look at the creep of the government into every aspect of our lives if you look at their uh, increasing push for dependency of the population on the government. And, uh, if you look at, you know, what's happening with COVID and other things, trying to turn people into extremists who are, uh, opposing, you know, COVID mandates and lockdowns and stuff like that. I mean, I hate to say this, this sounds inflammatory, but that is communism. I mean that like, I'm not saying America is a communist country cause we're not yet, but that is the, that is textbook. Like Implementation of communism, in well, my Well, and opinion. it
0: used to be something noble to ask questions of your government. Yeah. Right? You know, prove it to me. Right. Now it's
1: now it's like whatever they say is what you have to do. As soon as you question anything, you're an extremist. Right. And, and I mean, I have another example here of something that recently came out. This was guidelines from the uh, Department of Homeland Security for potential terror threats coming up over... Uh, because nine eleven, the 20th anniversary of 9-11 is coming up. So you'd think, okay, 20th anniversary of 9-11, potential terror threats. You hear those two things together. You're thinking, okay, Islamic extremist terrorism. But that's not what the uh, Department of Homeland Security is putting out as, you know, their guidance for keeping an eye out for terrorism. They're talking about domestic terrorism, quote unquote, and some things that are included in this. This was on NBC Nightly News. Opposition to COVID measures. Claims of election fraud or belief that Trump can be reinstated and 9-11 anniversary and religious holidays. So our own department of Homeland Security is lumping patriotic Americans and people who question government mandates and even people who, you know, celebrate the and revere the anniversary of 9-11 and what that means for our country. They're lumping those people into potential domestic terrorists And again, that's textbook communism.
0: Well, to your point on that, communist China, and I did not print this out and bring it in, um, so I'm going to try and do it from memory here, uh, but China is going to ban certain songs from karaoke bars in China because those songs are anti-state, anti-nationalist, anti-China. Yeah. Um, And it's it's a silly list of songs that are going to be banned, and we can laugh at it and poke fun at it and all that, but what you just said... I mean, that's the tip of it. Yep. That's where it starts. Yep. And the next thing you know, we're all walking around in gray pajamas. And if we don't tow the party line, you know, uh, maybe Times Square becomes Tiananmen Square.
1: Yeah. And I, I think, you know, people still hear communist in the American conversation and they, they flinch and they like have a, a gut reaction to that. But, you know, I think we're really starting to hit the point where the rubber is hitting the road, you know, like. We've we've been kind of having this slow creep for a while now, and we've been having these conversations about more or less government and about socialism and all these kinds of things that we wanted to avoid. Well, now it's happening like now it's actually beginning to happen. It's being implemented in our country. So we really need to call it out for what it is. Um, And if we don't, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, we're going to be looking at something much different. Will we
0: recognize this country anymore? Um, And to that point, we're getting a lot of feedback on um, the Facebook page, Dale Carter's America, the Facebook page. Please like that. Uh, You can also email me your thoughts at dalec at kfkf.com. This came from my friend uh, Jim Dingman. Jim is a a veteran of the United States Marine Corps. He's a businessman in the Kansas City area. He owns the Funhouse Pizza locations. Great American is uh, Jim Dingman. And I'm going to read this, and then we'll talk about it. And, and it, it sparks in me a little bit of depression, <laughs> and maybe you're going to cheer me up. Can you be the cheerleader on this yeah, show? Yeah, I'll just do my Trump You impression. are the ugliest cheerleader I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to have a cheerleader on this podcast, I mean, would that be sexist? Well, to say you know, that I'll, better I'll, go back
1: to, uh, I'll go back to what we talked about last episode or a couple episodes ago. You know, we are looking for sponsors here on the podcast, so yeah. maybe if we get a sponsor then we can afford, you know, to bring a cheerleader in. Okay. Dingman writes this, I never dreamed that I would
0: have to face the prospect of not living in the United States of America, at least not the one I have known all my life. I have never wished to live anywhere else. This is my home. I was privileged to be born here. But today I woke up, and as I have my morning coffee, I realize that everything is about to change. No matter how I vote, no matter what I say, something evil has invaded our nation, and our lives are never going to be the same. I've been confused by the hostility of family and friends. I look at people I've known all my life so filled with hate that they will agree with opinions that if they were in their right minds, they would never express as their own. It's absolutely unbelievable. I think that I may well have entered the twilight zone. Then I saw this, and I think it's pretty close to describing how I feel. I'm not starting a fight, but it's something to think about. This may open up a ton of outraged comments by some. Get ready. We got the tape rolling for the FCC. Many who will argue how wrong this post is. My suggestion, save your time and effort. You're not changing the reality of what we are living by, trying to somehow justify this insanity. Nevertheless, I couldn't resist because we're becoming the Twilight Zone. We've become a nation that has lost its collective mind. So here we go. If a dude pretends to be a woman, you are required to pretend with him. Somehow it's un-American for the census to count how many Americans are in America. Russians influencing our elections are bad, but illegals voting in our elections are good. It was cool for Joe Biden to blackmail the president of the Ukraine, but it's an impeachable offense if Donald Trump asks about it. 20 is too young to drink a beer, but 18 is old enough to vote. People who have never owned slaves should pay slavery reparations to people who have never been slaves. Inflammatory rhetoric is outrageous, but harassing people in restaurants is virtuous. People who have never been to college should pay the debts of college students who took out huge loans for their degrees. Immigrants with tuberculosis, COVID, and polio are welcome, but you'd better be able to prove your dog is vaccinated. Irish doctors and German engineers who want to immigrate must go through a rigorous vetting process, but any illiterate gangbanger who jumps the southern fence, well, he's welcome. Five billion for border security is too expensive but $1.5 for quote-unquote free health care is not. If you cheat to go into college, you go to prison, but if you cheat to get into the country, you go to college for free. People who say there's no such thing as gender are demanding a female president. We see other countries going socialist and collapsing, but it seems like a great plan to us. Some people are held responsible for things that happened before they were born, and other people are not held responsible for what they are doing right now. Criminals are catch and release to hurt more people, but stopping them is bad because it's a violation of their rights. And pointing out all this hypocrisy somehow makes us racist. Nothing makes sense anymore, no values, no morals, no civility, and people are dying of a Chinese virus, but it's racist to refer to it as Chinese, even though it began in China. We're clearly living in an upside-down world where right is wrong and wrong is right, where moral is immoral and immoral is moral. Where good is evil and evil is good, where killing murderers is wrong, but killing innocent babies is right. Where darkness is light and light is now darkness, it's time to wake up, America. The great unsinkable ship Titanic America has hit an iceberg, is taking on water, and sinking fast. The choice is yours to make. What will it be? Time is short. Make your choice wisely.
1: Yeah, it's pretty good stuff. I mean, there's so many things in there. (laughs) Each one of those points that he brought up could be a whole episode probably, but Um, yeah, certainly agree.
0: Okay, well, let me give you my depression. <laughs> After reading you know Dengman's letter, um, here's my depression. As I have seen this over time, through the prism of time, let's not even go back that far. President Obama wins. It's a historic election, the first black president of the United States. And right away, he goes about, you know, he, he comes across as a moderate kind of a guy red states, blue states, we're all the United States of America. I loved his speeches. I didn't vote for him because I didn't agree with him on policy on policy issues. But in terms of rhetoric and being American, I was all in. It's like, if we've got to have this guy, a Democrat, be president, this guy seems okay. And for two years, he went around the world and apologized for America, the apology tour. And then he set about federalizing nationalizing one-seventh of our economy with obamacare didn't get a single republican vote and it cost him congress right so we've seen this before so here's what happens democrats win they expand government and spend 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 okay republicans win because america realized what's happened so they get pissed and, and they vote republican republicans come in to congress And they don't do a damn thing. They just keep doing the same thing. Still, you know, they don't cut back on the spending. They don't look at what we've talked about, the sprawl of government, the hydra of the federal government, just getting into every part of our lives, right? So Democrats, when they're out of power, they characterize Republicans as uncaring people. They want to starve your children and kill old people. And then people go, gosh, I guess Republicans are mean. We should go back the other way. Let's get Democrats in there. And so now here we are again. We've got Democrats. It's rinse and repeat. Government continues to grow. The debt continues to grow. I mean, we're going to be at thirty trillion before you know it, and we're in that cycle again. Twenty twenty two is coming, and and I said in the last podcast, you know, if we're still doing this podcast, which I hope we are, um, and Republicans win, as I suspect they will in twenty twenty two, we got to hold their feet to the fire, and they got to act like Republicans.
1: Yeah, totally. And your your point about the. Balance of power, if you want to call it that, when Democrats win, you know, they come in and they get a bunch of stuff done on their agenda and move the country further to the left. And when Republicans come in, they essentially do nothing. I mean, they they, they maybe do less to right. move it to the left than right. the Democrats, but they don't do anything to move the country in a conservative direction, to institute conservative policies and to scale back on the, the left's agenda. Not at all. And... I mean, that's just, I think that that's the whole game right there in terms of, in terms of, uh, actual governance and policy, you know, aside from all the culture stuff and everything like that, that we talk about, that's the whole game right there. And until we get Republicans in the federal government that have balls, it's just going to keep happening. So, um, you know, that's, that's why I kind of, it's like, it's tough to tell. I mean, there's a younger or newer, I guess you could say, uh, class of politicians that some of them, you know, have hope. Some of them seem to have balls that are running for office or, um, going into office. You know, I mean, one that's coming up now, uh, in the next couple months, I think, I don't know when the recall election is, but one that comes to mind is Larry Elder in uh, in California. Right. And, you know, we, we, we need to root for those people and we need to support those people, but we also shouldn't be holding our breath. Like anything's going to change just because we elect Republicans. I think that's been the lesson that we've been taught over and over again. And that's why, you know, fighting the culture war is so important. That's why changing hearts and minds is important at the grassroots level, because that's the only way that we're going to be able to hold these people accountable. I think,
0: was that your effort to cheer me up by the way? Uh,
1: well, I forgot about that. Yeah. You were supposed to be the cheerleader. Yeah. Well, you know, we're gonna get a country back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not gonna go into
0: the Trump. You did now, make but. me laugh. <laughs> I'll give you that. All right, fine. Well, we'll see what happens. But you know the the way I've heard it described is uh, we're in a car and we're headed for a cliff. When when Democrats are driving the car, we're going 150 miles an hour toward the cliff. When Republicans are driving the car, we're going 90 miles an hour toward the cliff. Right. Destination is the same.
1: Yes. yes. Um.
0: And. I just, I'm, I'm with Dingman, man. I'm scratching my head going, what happened to my country? We'll see how it goes moving forward because we haven't even talked about the other big elephant in the room, and that's COVID, which we thought we kind of had a handle on. And, and now with the, the Delta variant, um, it seems like maybe we don't. Hospitals are filling up again. Um, I, now, what I saw this morning was uh, a report from over the weekend from somebody in the administration that doesn't think we're going to have to go back to the whole shutdown thing but it, it's still there, and and the the mask mandate is still there in in this county, uh, this city, and uh, the mayor, who you know we've called the Pharaoh on my show and on the podcast as well, and on the Facebook page. So <laughs> far, we haven't been in Facebook jail over it, and yeah. he's the clown, Keith Smith, one yeah. of my longtime followers. He likes to make these memes. Have you seen the one where he, he put him in, like, the pharaoh yeah. headdress oh, yeah. and all that? Oh, yeah. Let it be written. Let it be done. Right. Um, I thought at some point that would be deemed racist. But if you think about it, Yul um, Brenner is the guy famous for that line. was a white guy. So I, I can't see how it's racist. But, I mean, here we go again. We're, we're back to the whole COVID thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, they. I think that the Biden administration is – considering their options from what I've seen, you know, reports that I've seen about them considering what they can do as far as mandating masks or vaccines for certain things or, um, you know, mandating vaccines for interstate travel on airplanes and things like that. So um, I think it's definitely going to get worse before it gets better in terms of the the government overreach and, and all of this. And it's just, I mean, It's honestly, it's at the point where it's like, if you don't see what's going on, if you don't see how ridiculous and overblown this is, if you don't see that this is an obvious power grab, then I don't know what to tell you because it's just so like, it's so obvious at this point, you know, and it's just, oh man.
0: And I followed all the rules, man. I've, I've, I've said it before, doubly vaccinated. Um, I was going to be the rebel and not wear my mask in places. And Jennifer, my other half said, you know, you're somewhat of a public figure all you need is for somebody to take a snapshot of you not wearing a mask at a grocery store and put that up online, and it's going to create difficulty for you. So I'm going along with it. I don't like it, um, but I'm doing it. And then I put something up to that effect on our Facebook page, and Christberg's my lovely liberal, my my friendly liberal, neighborhood liberal,
1: yes. right? And he's like, it's for the children, Dale. It's for the children. Did and you see my clap back on that? What I, did you say? Oh, I, I, w- I went hard on that thread because people, it wasn't just him. It, there was other people coming in and saying like, oh, well don't you care about the kids and all yeah. this kind of stuff. And it's like, I just came in. I said, I'm sorry. Masks don't work. Like masks are dumb. They're completely pointless. They don't do anything. Cause the, the question was about the mask mandate. Like, is it a waste of time? And I was like, yes, it's a waste of time. Masks are pointless. They don't do anything. Yes, it's a waste. And then he came back with like, so you're willing to like, risk the lives of children you know for for uh opposing a mask mandate and it's like well first of all that rhetoric is just stupid and inflammatory and second of all it's been proven over and over again as i said if you don't see what's going on i don't know what to tell you it's been proven over and over again that the masks don't work the the airborne particles from respiratory coronaviruses, not just this one but any they're smaller and can to, small enough to get through any mask that people wear. Yeah. The, the mask is supposed to be for hospital workers. And I talked to a friend of mine that was a nurse, uh, or that studied to be a nurse over the weekend. The point of the mask is if you're a nurse, you walk into a room with a disposable mask for when you're with a patient, you walk out of the room, you throw that mask away. You get a new one to walk into the next room. That's yeah. the point we have people that are wearing the same mask for three, four months without washing it. You end up having more bacteria on your face than if you didn't have a mask on in the first place, Awesome. you end up touching your face more. And then not to mention, you know, the, the psychological, um, damage that it does to people, especially kids. And, uh, you know, I'll actually drop a clip here. There's a great, uh, clip by this guy, Matt Walsh, who, uh, went to, he works for the daily wire. It's a podcast and conservative news network. And, uh, they just moved from los angeles to nashville and so he was at a nashville school board meeting about the mask mandate for children and he totally nailed it so i'll drop that clip here
2: hi my name is matt walsh i'm a community member in nashville and a father of four um, you and the school board have decided that our kids should go to school all day, every day, wearing muzzles like rabid dogs. I have listened to your <laughs> arguments and I've noticed that they're missing a few things, namely evidence, data, science, common sense, and basic human decency. You've presented no facts at all, uh, so let me do that now. Here they are. COVID poses almost no risk to our kids at all. 4.2 million children have tested positive for COVID, a total of 0.008% of them have died. What about the flu? The CDC estimates that 480 kids died from the flu in the 2018-2019 season that's more than have died from COVID in a year and a half now did anyone on this board suggest at any point that year that kids wear masks did anyone in this room suggest that at any point anyone wear masks for flu which again is more dangerous to kids than COVID that's a fact now Do you know what it's called when you force your children to wear masks for fear of a virus that poses almost no threat to them? It's called child abuse. You want to look up a disease, look up Munchausen by proxy, because that's what this is. If you think I'm exaggerating, then how would you respond to a parent who forced his kid to wear a football helmet every day, all day for fear of falling coconuts and meteors? Your kid is is almost as likely to die of COVID as he is from a rock from the sky. And yet if you saw that, you would say to that parent that he is abusive, that he is forcing his kid to participate in this utterly insane charade in order to satisfy his delusional, psychotic hypochondria. Now, do any of you know what sort of psychological damage we do to children by forcing them to cover their faces, teaching them that the air is toxic, that everyone around them is sick? Have you wondered about the health effects of forcing kids to breathe through sweat and spit and dirt-soaked rags every single day? What about learning to read and they can't see the teacher enunciating the words? What does it do to a child's developing immune system if he has to wear a mask all day, every day? You're satisfied to place this burden on children anyway, and why? It's not to keep them safe, they are safe. It's not to keep the adults safe, they can all get vaccinated if they want. No, you do it to make yourselves feel better and to protect yourselves politically. The child's mask is a symbolic security blanket for you, not them. It's a disgrace and you should all be ashamed. Thank you for your time.
0: My friend Chris DeGaulle uh, does talk radio. In fact, he's uh, on in the market. He's on uh, KCMO talk radio. I knew Chris DeGaulle when he was an intern at Q104 way back in the day. And now he's a national talk show host. And he, he said, I did some actual journalism because, you know, the, the, the uh, storyline of the day uh, disseminated by the government, who we're not supposed to question anymore, is that children's hospitals are filling up because of COVID. Mm -hmm. They're all getting COVID. They're all going to die. They're all kids, and you don't care about kids because you don't want to do the mask mandate, yada, yada, yada. Well, Stagall actually did a little journalism, and he called a bunch of children's hospitals, and he said, what's the deal, right? And what he got back was, yes, there's some COVID, not a lot. The the bigger issue that they're facing right now, RSV has made a return. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a respiratory virus. I know quite a bit about that because my number three son, Matt, Uh, was born with it, and then relapsed shortly after uh, we took him home the first time. Um, So I'm very aware of that. But you're not even allowed to bring that up. You're not allowed to bring up facts of, okay, uh, children's hospitals are filling up, and it's weird that it's happening in the summer. I'll give you that. There's something going on here. Why is RSV making a recurrence? Maybe it's masks. Maybe that's the cause of it. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But damn it, we we've got to start asking questions. We cannot just take chapter and verse because um Fauci or and or the government came out with something and it was repeated by NBC, CBS, ABC, CNN, MSNBC. We just we can't take that as gospel anymore. No. You got to ask some questions.
1: Absolutely not. Absolutely not, especially when their argument is so just base emotional play and nothing else. I mean, if you look at any of these articles if you look at the people on our facebook page or anywhere else that are are are, you know all gung-ho about this stuff it's purely emotional and as soon as you bring up facts about the masks not working right not being worth a damn you don't care about children Yeah, exactly it's like go screw yourself man i mean i'm sorry (laughs) but like that argument is not going to work with me you know have you seen the video uh,
0: from a guy named Dr. Dan Stock? He's he's uh, addressing the Mount Vernon, Indiana
1: school board. Yes. Isn't that awesome? The whole video, you should watch the whole video if you haven't. We it's can't like drop that in here long. because it's, it's long. It's too long. But yeah. if you're listening to this, go watch the video. You can find it if you search uh, Mount Vernon uh, School District meeting. Right. Yeah, Mount Vernon School District. Uh, what's the guy's name?
0: Dr. Dan Stock, and he's a doctor. Right. And he's raising questions as a doctor, and you may come away from it if you've been indoctrinated by the left, going, "Well, he doesn't care about children."
1: So go watch that. Yeah, um, and he—I should say too—in addition to the mask stuff, he brings up some issues about the uh, the vaccine as well. And you know, we're starting to see more reports now about higher percentages of people who are hospitalized, who have had both shots of the vaccine. And we've seen individual cases, you know, you can say that it's uh, anecdotal, which to a certain degree it is. And I think the the data still supports potentially, I don't even know, but from what I've seen, it supports that you're less likely to die if you get the vaccine. But there have been people now that have been confirmed to have died from COVID with that have gotten both shots of the vaccine. Yeah. So well, there you what's go. What's really true and what's not true. I mean, it's it's hard to tell anymore. My Well,
0: one thing is for sure, if you're a big fat guy, you might want to lose some weight, which is what I did. I <laughs> right. lost some weight because I said, that's something I can control. Right. So that's I got back sure. on Slim for Life, and I lost
1: about 35 pounds. Yeah. I said, I can control this. Now you just got to cut 30 years off, right? Well, I
0: can't do much about that. <laughs> My friend Tammy Cunningham posted the uh, Dr. Dan Stock video at the Mount Vernon, Indiana School Board. And uh, then she posted this. She says, "Okay, so Facebook sends me a notice that it will show my postings less if I continue to post partially inaccurate information. Right. I didn't say it was accurate. I said it was interesting. So let's deal with the facts, Facebook. I am so tired of being told what to do by politicians, news people, and most of all, people on a rant on Facebook. So here's one back for you. And I warn you, this is where most of my friends say, Hurricane Tam Tam is coming, and get out of the way, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I've known her for a long time. She used to run uh, Sandstone, and she was my first boss at the Chiefs because mm-hmm. uh, she was the one who hired me to do PA for the Chiefs. So here we go. I had the good old corona with a side helping of pneumonia. It was awful. My body fought it. I avoided hospitalization because Troy came home and took care of me, and I recovered. As such, I didn't want to get the shot because I felt nature did what it was supposed to do. I did get the shot. I didn't put a freaking badge on my Facebook profile or scream it from the rafters or pat myself on the back. I did it because I had clients, family, and friends that felt safer because I did it. I did it for them. But I was scared and am still worried about it. I don't care if the FDA is going to approve it. If you really do your research, which I did... You will know that all major vaccinations have been coached to take to take. I don't think think there's a typo in here to take tens of years of most cases to be developed, tested, and confirmed. AIDS was killing a horrific number of people in the 80s, and look how long it has taken just to manage that one. That said, here's my rub: I see friends every day belittling and lambasting anyone who has who has not had the shot. They routinely use words like selfish and stupid. I can't tell you how ama- many amazing, giving, and highly intelligent people I personally know who went through the same process I did, but decided on the wait-and-see approach. That doesn't make them dumb or selfish. In fact, one could argue it makes them wise. They want more research and facts. That is not stupid. So know this. When you throw out those spiteful things being uh, behind the safety of your mobile device, you're also hurting me and others who have or have not had the shot because you were hurting those we love who made a different choice than you did, and condemning them, publicly. Shame on you. I also have friends who have posted that shots should be mandatory. At least three of these friends I personally know to support a woman's right to choose. Now how in the heck do you reconcile that? For the record, I am pro-choice too, so please don't start any political hating. I'm too exhausted from the COVID hating to deal. I'm simply pointing out more than a little bit of hypocrisy. And for those who preach tolerance and acceptance for every damn cause that has come down the pike in the last 20 years, did you just decide that the one cause you can't support is the freedom to make our own medical decisions to decide what happens to our own bodies? I'm so saddened watching this shit show unfold. I love the United States of America. There's not another country in the world I would prefer to live in. But I'm shocked at the mean-spirited, hateful people We seem to become the second we have access to a pulpit of any sort, and Facebook is leading the pack, in my opinion. When did we stop being kind and decent to each other? When did we start saying things in copy that we would never say to a friend's face? When did we stop putting a value on personal freedom? Because plenty of men and women have died so that we could have it, and thank you to them always. Above All America is about freedom and opportunity, and I hope we discover this, and soon, so to every one of my friends, I respect your decision to do what is best for you and yours. I wish you continued health, and I wish you continued freedom. Of course, you know what Arnold Schwarzenegger would, would say to that. Screw your freedom.
1: That's pretty good. You're working on that. No, that wasn't so that So what do you think of Tammy's post? I, again, I mean, I think that's spot on. I think uh, Tammy and I would disagree on certain things. You know, her being pro choice is kind of a bummer, but <laughs> yeah, that's okay. But yeah, I mean what she's saying about the the rhetoric and the conversation on Facebook is is just totally accurate. And it's happened to me too, um I, I'll just read briefly a comment. There's these venues in town that are now requiring vaccine ID to enter. Right. And so they're posting about it and, you know, people are going on there and debating and stuff like that. And there's this guy, uh unfortunately no in person, but He's saying things like, you know, I hope you guys all get coronavirus. If you don't get the vaccine, I never want to see you again. Never come to my shows, you know, stuff like that. I'm not going to read the comment verbatim because it's too long. But that kind of rhetoric is very common Um, in my circles on Facebook. People saying, you know, you better have the vaccine. If you don't, I don't want to be your friend anymore. You know, go die, blah, 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 blah. And it's just it's like you know that you know that they wouldn't say that to your face. Of course, if not. if they saw you in person, yeah. and if they did, you know you'd slap the shit out of them. But <laughs> right, why <laughs> so, so violent, Kurt? Yeah, you know, that's hyperbolic, but <laughs> you know what I mean.
0: Well, I was going to um, uh, wrap with like climate change and the end of the world as we know it. Let's save that for next week. I do have one more thing that I that I want to do this week, and uh, I've seen it posted all over Facebook. Um, I grabbed it from my friend Jeff Quabell's facebook page and we're going to do a dramatic reading of this uh we're going to play two different parts i am going to play the part of a restaurant patron and kurt is going to play the part of the um uh what the maitre d i guess have you ever worked in a restaurant? I have, yeah.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Were you a maitre d' or a waiter? Or? What is a maitre d? have never heard that word the, before.
0: The person who greets you first at the restaurant. Oh, the host? Yeah, the
1: host. That's a much simpler word. You should just use that word. Once again, we have the <laughs> generation America, gap.
0: Dale. All right, fine. <laughs> you be whoever the hell you want to be. Read the parts in yellow, okay. and I'll read my parts. Okay, sounds good. All right. Hello. Hi.
1: Table for two, please. Sure thing. And your name? Uh, Dale. Great. And do you and your guest have your vaccination cards? Well, can you tell us first who our
0: server will be tonight? Oh, it looks like Brad will be your server tonight. Awesome. Uh, can you show us Brad's vaccination card? Uh, yeah. Uh, also, can you provide me with proof that Brad is not a carrier of HIV, hepatitis A or B or any other communicable disease? Ooh. Yeah. Uh, we'd also prefer not to be served by someone who is on or uses recreational drugs like marijuana, cocaine, meth, fentanyl, et cetera. Uh, so if you could provide us with Brad's most recent talk screen, that would be awesome too. Uh, let me get the manager for you. Yeah.
1: We got a Karen over here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you to Jeff Quibell and everybody else who posted that. A lot of great comments this week. Keep those coming. Spread the word. We're just trying, you know, to have a little common sense here with this podcast. I think, that, I think so, yeah. yeah. This may have been our best common sense podcast, and it is guaranteed to irritate some of the people who listen to it.
1: Well, if we're not irritating somebody, then we're not doing our we're job. We're not getting our job
0: done. <laughs> because, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dale Carter's America.
2: The views expressed on Dale Carter's America are Dale's and Kurt Wheeler's. They do not necessarily reflect the views of KFKF or Steel City Media. Comments can be sent to C at kfkf.com. Thanks for listening. Check back every week for new episodes.